Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible. As you see, we're in this new series, or in this series, Next Steps into a New Normal. And the idea that we're talking about is there's always a next step when we're following Jesus. And, and one of the last things we want to do as Christ followers is go weeks, months, or even years without ever taking a step towards Jesus. Because following Jesus is, is movement. It's progressive. We're moving forward with Jesus. And so I don't know what it's looked like the last time you took a step towards Jesus. My prayer is that you continue to take steps we're gonna talk about one of those today when it comes to serving. I don't know if you're aware of this, but in our mission statement as a church, it reads this, to make disciples of Jesus who love God, love people, and serve the world. Let's all say that together uh, online. I don't know if you wanna say it or type it. I'll let you do whatever you want. Lake County, you say it. Everybody in here, say it on the count of three. One, two, three. To make disciples of Jesus who... This is our mission statement, meaning this is what we're going after. Is we wanna love God, we wanna love people, and we're gonna serve the world. So this idea of serving shouldn't surprise any of us. It's in the DNA, not just of journey, but in, in Christ and what it means to be a Christian. If you have your Bible, uh, we're gonna be landing in Acts chapter two today, or if you have a device, you can go ahead and download the YouVersion Bible app. We're gonna be in Acts three. However, little pop quiz uh, what chapter comes before Acts 3? Acts chapter what? Man, you guys are on fire. I don't know what you said online or in Lake County, but Apopka's on fire. They said Acts chapter 2, and they are right. You get 100 uh, on that pop quiz. Well done. I wish my quizzes uh, were that easy in high school. They weren't. So before we dive into Acts 3, Acts 2 is a powerful, powerful story. It's what we call Pentecost. It's when the Holy Spirit comes upon the believers. The disciples are gathering, the Holy Spirit comes on. And in that day, one day, 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus and get baptized. 3,000 people, revival breaks out. absolutely incredible. Great day in the history of the church. However, some of us sometimes may be thinking if you're in a valley or in a process, go, I understand that God cares about the thousands. I get John three sixteen that God loves the world. But my question is, does he love me? Like, does he love the one? I understand he loves the millions, but does he even see the one? Does he even know me? Does he love me? And I think Acts 2 uh, shows that he loves the thousands. And then we get to Acts 3, and I think it answers that question in verse 1 through 10. And that's where we, we begin. It says this, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So Peter and John, they're on their way to church. That's what's happening. They're on their way to church and all of a sudden they're about to be met with an interruption. And I believe this, I believe that most of God's greatest miracles begin with an interruption, not a plan. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have a plan. I just think when God brings an interruption, they're often divine appointments that he wants to do something in our lives or through our lives. Most of God's greatest miracles begin with an interruption, not a plan. So let's keep going in verse two. 
Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. The key, the key phrase there is, is right here. He was being carried. He was in the midst of being carried. And then let's see what happens next. In the midst of being carried, it says this, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. I want you to imagine you're this man that we later find out in the text that he's over 40 years old. So he's over 40 years old and he's being carried by somebody else. Imagine the vulnerability of being carried by somebody else and begging. You can't even steer your own ship. So this guy's taking him. He doesn't know to stop. And, And I'm just imagining this guy that's crippled as he's being walked, just kind of turns his head and starts begging for money. And the guy's got to now turn the vulnerability of that. You see, this man's not just broke, he's broken. And chances are he's humiliated, possibly, quite possibly, he's hopeless. And he begins this conversation with Peter and John and he asks them for money. And I want you to listen to the response. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then I kind of personally find this funny. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. Like, like look at us, man, we've been following Jesus. Does it look like we have any money? Like, I mean, seriously, thank you for that, but we we ain't got no money, but he doesn't stop there. He says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And it says in the Bible that his ankles and his feet begin to get strengthened and he jumps up and it says that he's jumping and walking and praising God and the community is filled with awe and wonder of God. And I absolutely love that. I love how, how they said, listen, I, silver and gold I don't have, but they didn't just end with that. They said, no, no, but what I do have, I'm gonna give you. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. There's a college, uh, there's a, a church in a college town. And when college is in session, their attendance literally triples. They have triple the amount of people when college is in session. However, in that same time, their offering only goes up $17 a week. The people laughing, you, you've been in college, you understand it. Broke as a joke. Yeah, right? So, so the attendance triples, but the, the, the offering goes up $17 a week. And true story, one of these times, this college student shows up in church and the offering comes and he takes his breakfast sandwich that's still wrapped and he puts it in the offering with a note that says, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. <laughs> and he put that in the offering. True story. Now listen, listen. This is not a call for breakfast sandwiches, okay? I love the heart, but we're not, we're, we're not looking for breakfast sandwiches. I think really the, the, the idea here is use what's in your hands to fulfill what's in your heart. Use what's in your hands to fulfill what's in your heart. So many times we, we look at a problem and say, well, I don't have that, so I can't do anything. No, no, no. We all have something that we can do to serve those around us. And instead of saying, no, let's look within and say, maybe I could give a word of encouragement. Maybe I could give the gift of hospitality. Maybe I could write a note. Maybe I could serve them. Whatever it is, we wanna be able to say, how can I serve you in your time of need? In this story, there was a couple different characters. They didn't have any money, or at least it doesn't say they had money. The first one is the man that carried them. He, he may not have had money, but he had biceps. 
So this guy is carrying him. It says every single day he's carrying him to this place, to the church. Now this guy's 40 years old. So uh, he's, got, he's a grown man. He's gotta be heavy. This guy that maybe didn't have Gold's Gym, he just said, I'm gonna exercise every day by picking this man up. Listen, he didn't have money, but he also didn't have the gift to heal. What he had was biceps. And he didn't talk about what he didn't have. He used what he did have to bring him every day. And then Peter and John if they could hear me, I'm not saying you don't have biceps, okay? I'm not saying that, but what you did have, what they did have is the gift of healing. They didn't have money, maybe they didn't have biceps, but they could heal. You see, both of the characters had gifts that God had given them and both of them used the gifts God gave them to serve others. You don't need every gift, you just need a gift. And when you use that for God's glory, God will use you. I love the part that it says this. It says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. He didn't say silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, just walk. No, no, it was in the name of Jesus, walk. It's in the name of Jesus. We don't just serve people to serve people. We serve in the name of Jesus. We do good in the name of Jesus. And I think this was fleshed out pretty well with a buddy of mine. A buddy of mine was at a restaurant and he saw a, a table, a family of five come in and, and he felt like God put it on his heart. Hey, you need to pay for their dinner. So my buddy was like, yeah, that's not a problem. And so he was in the process of getting the waitress to just go ahead and pay kind of anonymously. And that's not bad, but God said, no, 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 no. If you pay anonymously, they're just gonna think mankind is good and I don't get any glory from that. No, no, I want you to tell them why you're paying for that. And so now he's wrestling with this idea. He's gotta be a little bit more bold. And so he finally says, okay. And so it's a little bit awkward. He just goes to the family and says, hey, I know you don't know me. I don't know you. I don't wanna interrupt your meal. I just want you to know that God put you on my heart and God told me I'm supposed to pay for your meal. So I went ahead and I paid for your meal. I just wanted you to know that you matter to God, that God sees you and knows you and he wanted me to pay for this meal on your behalf. And so sorry to bother you. And he began to kind of try to get out of the conversation. And the husband stands up and eyes begin to water a little bit, ask him to sit down. And so my buddy sits for 10 or 15 minutes as they unpack their story and the wife begins to cry. You see what the, my buddy didn't know is behind the scenes, God was stirring and, and they didn't know. They kind of had this bad thought about God. And so when they were able to say, no, 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 God sees you, cares about you, and is taking care of your meal, there was a lot more going on than my buddy thought. God is always working behind the scenes. Always working behind the scenes. When we do good, we do good in Jesus' name. And when we do good in Jesus' name, he gets the glory. When we just do good, people wanna glorify us. Oh, isn't Journey so awesome? Oh, isn't Dustin so awesome? Oh, isn't so-and-so awesome? You know what that accomplishes? Nothing. I don't want people thinking we're awesome, Journey's awesome, Dustin's awesome. I want people thinking Jesus is awesome because he is. And the last thing I wanna do is take the glory from God. He deserves all glory and all honor. And so we do good in Jesus' name, reminding people that they matter to God and because they matter to God, they matter to us. You see, there's a lot of people in our community that might feel like this guy that was crippled in Acts chapter three. They maybe feel hopeless. Maybe they feel humiliated. Maybe they feel 
forgotten from God. And what our job is, is to come alongside them and serve them in the name of Jesus. Say, no, no, you're not forgotten. No, 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 you're not hopeless. There is hope. And when we serve in the name of Jesus, we become a bright light and we point them to Jesus. You see, this idea of servanthood, when we talk about it in our day and age, it's, it's kind of common. I mean, it's, it's more common, especially in the church. You would expect to hear about serving in the church. Even in the corporate world, you would start to hear it's becoming more and more common that if you're a leader, then you should lead with serving. I'm not saying everybody embraces that, but the idea is more and more common. 2,000 years ago, it wasn't common. The only people that thought about serving were servants, and they did it because they had to, not because they wanted to. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he changes everything. Jesus is the one that introduced to the world the idea of servant leadership. And he begins to hear the disciples, his buddies talking. And he begins to hear them talking about this idea of power and and how do we get power and who's the best. And so Jesus kind of has a powwow with them. In Mark chapter 10, 42, it says this, Jesus called them together, meaning the disciples, and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles Lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Basically what he's saying, hey, as we know, everybody that has power, they, they're power hungry. They use their power to serve their own, their own agenda. They use it to get ahead, to elbow their, that's all they do. And then Jesus gives us four words that change everything. Everything changes because of these four words. This is what Jesus says next. In Mark 10, 43, it says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant. These four words are what mess us up because you and I have this temptation to compare ourselves with our coworkers and our neighbors and everything. But what we need to understand is they have one way of living, but Jesus says, not so with you. They have one way of spending their time, energy, and resources, and Jesus says, not so with you. You see, Jesus calls us to live a different way and other people might tweet and comment and post a certain way. And Jesus says, not so with you. It's different. You see, Jesus is creating a new way, a better way. And his way is more about giving than it is getting. It's more about surrendering than fighting for things for our own accord. And I love that about Jesus. He changes the game. Pastor Rick actually says this. He says, serving doesn't make you a follower of Jesus, but following Jesus will make you a servant. That good? Apostle Paul continues this in Galatians 5.13. He says, you brothers, you were called to be free. And as Americans, we love this, right? We, we're grateful for our freedom and we, 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 just, we cling to it. It says, you brothers, you're called to be free. But then he says this, but don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather serve one another humbly in love. Yes, we're free, but under Christ, we're called to use our freedom to serve one another's humbly in love. And some of my, my single friends in the house, you're like, yes, pastor, you want me to serve in love. No, 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 listen, you're taking that on a content. Not in love, I understand what you're getting at, but through love, right? You're with me? We serve through love, with love. We're called to serve with love and not just serve others, but how we serve matters. And I'm gonna do this faster than I, I would like, but Philippians 2 is an incredible chapter. I wanna encourage you to, to read chapter two of Philippians. Philippians two, I'm gonna quickly navigate through it, but it's a great chapter on this idea. And this talks about four quick ways on how we could serve others. The first one is this, be unselfish. 
First way that we serve others is be unselfish. Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. The whole idea here is it's not, it's not about you. The moment you start thinking it's about you, you're missing the idea of what God's calling us to do when it serves. It's not about you. It's not about your timeline. It's not about what you want, when you want it, how you want it. It's not about you. Be unselfish. Don't serve with a hidden agenda. The second thing is this, be humble. Philippians 2, 3 says, in humility, value others above yourself. How many of y'all remember longtime boxing promoter Don King? Anybody remember Don King? We got some people that remember Don King. Now, if you don't remember Don King, he, he was a funny character. This is what he said. This is, this is a true quote. He said, I never cease to amaze myself. I say that humbly. <laughs> I never cease to amaze myself. I say that humbly. Now, those of you that know Don King, you can just hear him saying that, right? C.S. Lewis went on to say, humility involves a healthy self-forgetfulness. And this is so important for us to understand today. It's this, is when Jesus came in the form of a servant, he wasn't disguising who God was. He was unveiling who God is. Let me say that again. When Jesus came in the form of a servant, he wasn't disguising who God was. He was unveiling who God is. He's a servant. Our God is a serving God. The third thing we learn from Philippians 2 is this. Look out for the needs and interests of others. Philippians 2, 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. There's an easy way that we can test ourselves if we're doing this or not is asking this question. When was the last time you served someone that couldn't pay you back? Well, if I invite my neighbor, he'll probably invite me back. I mean, when was the last time you served somebody that couldn't and wouldn't pay you back? That's a different challenge. Now, I don't know about you, but it's August, which means I'm excited about football. Is anybody else excited about football in here? Yes. Sounds like Miami Dolphin fans, like you're scared to say anything. Is anybody excited about football? Yeah? Yeah, online? Online, I want you to go ahead and just punch in who your favorite NFL team is. And I, you don't even need to do it. Everybody's gonna type in Dolphins. I'm just assuming I know that. So this is the time when you got Pop Warner starting back. You got a high school started back. This past weekend, I was at uh, Pop Warner games, uh, saw some high school games, watched a little bit of college yesterday, uh, preseason for the NFL starting back. And there's just something good about football starting back. And, uh, and if you don't know that, you just need to know that. That's, that's the freebie today. Some of us know in Central Florida, Coach Tony Dungy, who used to coach the Bucks. Any Tony Dungy fans? Yeah. Tony Dungy is a great leader, more importantly, an incredible Christian man, great man of God. Tragically, his son years ago committed suicide. Shortly after he committed suicide, somebody randomly came up to coach and said, hey, coach, my son's fiance committed suicide. And now my son's thinking about doing the same thing. Would you mind just reaching out and calling him? And so this is coach why he's coaching Busy, Hall of Fame coach, won a championship with the Indianapolis Colts. He said, sure. So he calls him, talks to him over the phone that night. Conversation went good, so they agreed to talk again the next day. They ended up talking every day for a week. And after a week, the gentleman started to get to a healthy place and began to ask Coach Dungy about himself. He said, okay, Tony, what do you do for a living? He said, well, I, I'm a football coach. And he said, oh, that's great. You high school, you college? And he said, well, actually, 
I'm in the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts. And as soon as he said that, he knew exactly what, he goes, no way, you're coach Tony Dungy? And he said, yeah. You see, he went an entire week without putting who he was out there, without serve, he was serving somebody that couldn't repay him in the most humble way. That's what that looks like. That's the third point. The fourth one is this, do everything without complaining or arguing. Philippians 2.14 says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation. Now listen, I'm not saying this is my opinion, but I know some people believe that we live in a warped and crooked generation. Okay, some, some people, you're listening and you believe that either our culture in America or this generation, you just, and you're wondering, what am I supposed to do in the midst of a warped and crooked generation? It says it right here, you don't argue or you complain. Like literally it tells us right here what to do when we feel like we're in the midst of a corrupted generation. You just don't complain and you don't argue. And then what I love in Philippians 2.15, it says, if you do these four things, then... That's what this verse says, then, Philippians 2.15 says, if you do those four things, then, meaning if you do them, something will happen next. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. And that is our job description as believers is to shine in a dark and broken world. And it's not a mystery on how to do it. We do it according to Philippians 2 by being unselfish, by being humble, looking out for others and not complaining or arguing. And when we do it, we will shine among them like stars in the sky. You see, you don't just work in a cubicle, you radiate in a cubicle. You don't just work in an auto mechanic shop, you radiate the love of Jesus in an auto mechanic shop. You're not just a teacher, you shine bright the love of Jesus to dozens of kids and parents. You don't just work, you radiate the love of God when we live out Philippians 2. I don't know if you know of anybody that radiates the love of Jesus like this. For me, I, 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 I see all kinds of people that radiate the love of God. One of them is a good friend of mine from my last church that we still stay in contact, great man of God. I love him, his name's Coach Bo or Phil Bolier, Coach Phil Bolier. And this is me and Coach Bo uh, back in the day and Coach and I still stay, stay in contact. And I wanna show you, this is what he texts, uh, how he ends his text. This is just a random text he sent me. He said, hey brother, I trust you are just right for now. Praying circles around you and yours. And he ends his, all his texts, he ends with these two lines. Shine like stars, coach. Shine like stars, coach. And he's getting this from Philippians 2. And Coach Bo shines brightly, the love of Jesus. And he shines so bright. I've known that he shines bright, but... But recently his story got picked up and it actually went viral. Literally millions of people saw it because there's another Christian that shines bright and he shared his story. His name's Ernie Johnson. Ernie Johnson used to go to my old church as well. And this is Ernie Johnson. He's the host of a show called Inside the NBA with Shaq laughing, Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley. Some of you know about the show, some of you don't. And Ernie Johnson is a strong, committed believer as well. And Ernie Johnson and Coach Bo Lear kind of had this uh, intersection, this divine appointment that they thought may have been an interruption was a divine appointment. And, and then Ernie was asked to speak several weeks ago at the University of Alabama. Nick Saban brought him in to speak to the Alabama football team. Thank you. One person heard me. Okay, let me say it again. 
Ernie Johnson was invited by Nick Saban to speak at the University of Alabama football team. Thank you. A lot of Christ followers in here. A lot. Your, your light is shining so bright. I love it. We don't have any Alabama fans in here, do we? No. We got one. We got one. Yeah, security. He's on the bottom left. We'll be right with you. We'll be right with you. So Nick Saban asked Ernie Johnson, hey, would you come and speak to the football team? Ernie Johnson shares the story of my friend, Coach Bo Lear, and how their divine appointment was impacting a community. And so instead of me sharing that story, I want to listen in to Ernie Johnson as he unpacks his story. Listen in. Ernie Johnson's the nicest guy in the world. But the stuff he's taken on in his personal life that's why we all respect him. But he we had two kids, um, a boy and a girl, and that seemed again like, hey, here comes the script. Until my wife watches the ABC uh, show 2020, and this is back in 1990, 91, and here's the story of these Romanian orphans um, being warehoused many of them because of their imperfections. I came home from work one day and Cheryl's like, you know what we need to do? I think we need to go to Romania and get one of these kids out of that orphanage. I go, this didn't fit the script, but it fit our lives somehow. And so our decision was little girl, under a year old, no permanent handicaps, some, you know, and, then, and that's the way we wrote the script because that's what we could handle. Cheryl goes there, the nurses bring out this little boy who's almost three, can't walk, can't talk. We're on the phone and she says, so you know, I, I think I found a child to adopt. And she goes into this description. She said, Ernie, I just don't know if I can go the rest of my life wondering what happened to that little boy in that orphanage in Romania. I just said, we'll bring him home. And then the unscripted continued to happen. You take him to the doctor and, and they tell you he's got muscular dystrophy. And then they tell you he's got the worst kind, Duchenne. And then you say, should we have stuck to the script? And that's just honest. I mean, that's just, you do. You Sometimes you question yourself. You know, we adopt him when he's almost three. He didn't say a word till he was eight. One day when he was eight years old, he went, Mike. And then it was, love you too. His favorite thing to say. You don't have to tell him first. He will tell you when he meets you. Love you too. That comes from a lot of years of, while he couldn't speak, he heard it a lot. So he's in high school and the first varsity basketball coach is this guy from Indiana, you know, a basketball hotbed who's come down to football country to coach high school basketball. His name is Phil Bolier. And Phil goes in there and, and starts talking to him. And then Phil turns to leave and go out to the trailer where he teaches. And Michael says, love you too which causes Coach Bolier to stop and 
turn on his heel and say, what? Love you too, Bolier. I get a note in Michael's backpack from this basketball coach. I'd never met him. I'm Phil Bolier. I'm the new head basketball coach at Mill Creek High School. I met your son today. He's got to be on my team. They said, I need your son to teach my players two things, maximum effort and a heart for others. He said, maximum effort because, you know, he can't do much, but everything he can do is with everything he's got and, and, and heart for others because this love you too thing is awesome. And this tells you about the impact that Michael had through Coach Bolier because this whole love you too thing was being taught in the classrooms too. Anybody know what this means? It means I love you in sign language. And if you if you tip your index finger at the person you're talking to, it means love you too. And on senior night, Michael goes up to get his blanket. And we're standing behind him as he's driving his chair. And they come out and they give it to him. And folks cheer. And I look up in this student section in the corner and they're all standing like this. God takes a basketball coach from Indiana, puts him in Hushton, Georgia, and takes a kid from Urza Chanu in a Romanian orphanage and sticks him in Hushton, Georgia, and sticks them together in a gym and teaches a bunch of high schoolers in big old Gwinnett County, love you too. How would that story go viral? Literally every sports platform retweeted it, posted it, every news. I mean, it just went millions of views. Why would that go viral? Because in a dark world, people are looking for the light. I love what Ernie said about his son. He said, you don't have to tell him first. He just says, love you too. I love that. And this is what we're gonna do as a church. We're gonna go to the community and we're gonna serve them and we're gonna say, love you too. Not, not they, they said it to us first and we're saying love you too back. We're not saying we love you back because they're not saying we love you. What we're saying is we love you too, meaning he first loved you and so do we love you too. And what we wanna do is we wanna go to our neighbors, go to our coworkers, go into the community and say, hey, there is a God that loves you and so do we. We love you too. And we're not just gonna say it, we're actually gonna show it with our hands and our time and our energy and our resources. And we're gonna serve you because the Jesus we follow is calling us to do that. And when we follow him, we're gonna serve. That's just the way of our faith. That's just the way of Christianity. When we follow Jesus, the next step is to serve. That's the next step. The next step is to serve our neighbors, our family, our coworkers, our in-laws, whoever it is, we come and we serve. Not to be served, but to serve. And we tell anybody and everybody, hey, we love you too. That God loves you first, but so do we. And when you do, you will shine like stars in a dark and broken world. You shine brighter than you know. This is my wife, my wife TJ and I, 
and we served, this is years ago, doing hurricane, I think Katrina, I can't remember, some hurricane relief work in Waveland, Mississippi. We're on top of a roof you may not be able to see. Some of you are wondering like, hey, I see her with, you know, doing stuff. What are you doing? And I just need to explain that. The reason we were there is because a hurricane was coming. And what I was doing is making sure another hurricane wasn't coming, okay? And so I was what's called the lookout, okay? And that's a very underrated role in this deal. I basically saved my wife's life this day. Thank you. If you know her, would you tell her that? I don't know what I was doing there. Here, here's what I know. I love my wife. I love her so much. But when I see her serve other people in Jesus' name, I don't know if there's another time that she's more attractive to me. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. There's not a greater time you're more attractive and a light to the world than when you serve in Jesus' name. So what we're gonna do on, on October 23rd is we're gonna have a serve day where we're gonna go into the community and we're gonna say, hey, we love you too. And we've, we've done one of these before. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna set up all over Central Florida and we're gonna have serve opportunities where we're gonna serve the community and we might serve schools, we might serve widows, we might serve anybody and everybody that we can serve on that day. And you can sign up, you need to sign up because we have shirts and we need to figure out logistics. You can sign up starting today and we wanna be able to figure out how many people in the community can we serve. I wanna to talk to everybody online. It's just not limited to Central Florida, wherever you're at. If you wanna take the lead and create a serve opportunity in your community, we would love to be able to help you with that. You can just go ahead and reach out to us. We'd love to be able to see how we create serve day all across the globe. But what we wanna do is go to the community and say, hey, we love you too. God loves you and so do we. Maybe, maybe you, have a, you, you know of a need. Maybe you know of a widow or maybe you know of a nonprofit that needs help or maybe you just know somebody that can use uh, 10 to 15 people for three or four hours to come and serve. I wanna encourage you, let us know that as well. We can't serve everybody, but we can't serve anybody if you don't tell us. Love to know how we could serve. But listen, this is October 23rd. We're not waiting until October 23rd to serve. That's when we're serving corporately. Right now, we're gonna start serving individually. There's a hero and a friend of mine, his name's Roger Sherman. This is Roger and I. Roger sits right here every single week at the first service. He was in the first service. Roger serves on our Wednesday work crew. I don't know if you know this, we have volunteers every Wednesday that come and they just work around the church. Roger shows up, him and his wife, every single week. And he shines so bright. Just before COVID hit, him and a group of people, they went to one of our mission partners, Camp Bahamas, and they just served. And listen, Roger's not great at everything, but he's great at something. Everybody on this trip wasn't great at everything. We had some people that were great electricians. We had some people that were great framers. We had some people that were great painters. We had some people that were great with logistics and together they could do good, but they weren't great at everything. They said, hey, we can't do everything, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. An electrician says, I can't do drywall, but I can do electric work. And I'm gonna do that in the name of Jesus to serve people in Jesus' name. And hey, I, I can't do electrical work, but I can do plumbing and I'm gonna do that in the name of Jesus so that he can be known in our community and we're gonna serve in Jesus' name. And I love the heartbeat of Roger, who I believe is 80 years old and he's still just taking his hands out and saying, hey, I can't do everything, but I can do something. 
Use what's in your hands to fulfill what's in your heart. Church, my prayer is this. May we go out this week and may we shine bright, Philippians 2. May we go out and serve our neighbors, our family, those that we love. And may we do so with humility. May we do so unselfishly. May we do so thinking about others more than ourselves. And when you do, I promise you, you'll shine brighter than you can imagine. And God will be honored and glorified. Your love will go viral. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. I thank you for my buddy, Coach Bo. God, I thank you that he's just one of many people over generations and over over history that's shown what servant leadership looks like. God, you started a new trend. You started the phrase, not so with you. And so God, would you raise up an army that looks at the world and says, hey, they do one thing, but not so with us. Not with my family, not with my marriage, not the way I spend my time, not the way I I talk. And God, would you raise up an army of servants that are ready and willing to do good in the name of Jesus. Silver and gold, we don't have. We don't have everything, but God, but you've given us something. And today we send her that something to you in hopes that we can send your love to our neighbor, that we can remind our community that we love them too, that you first love them, and so do we. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible.